again, just by virtue of being surrounded by a grandfather who was an entrepreneur, I saw a world that I didn't necessarily experience at home because my dad or mom, my mom was a bit of an entrepreneur, actually. She had several of her own businesses, but I think being at our grandparents where there was so much space to dream, and I think any of us can create an environment to dream. It doesn't have to be you know, I grew up in the city and it was dangerous. And so I didn't get to play very much independently, right? We can all create space to dream because it lives within here. But I do think as we're exposed to different things as kids, we start to also kind of sometimes feel drawn to them. And that's what I love about the girls that create is that you're looking at what are the things that your girls are already drawn to that you're observing and you're witnessing in them, sort of no matter what environment you put them in. In your work, you mentioned this concept of strength zone. I would just love you for you to explain what that is, and then also how can we help our girls recognize what a strength zone is, and actually for ourselves too. Absolutely, absolutely. So for me, the strength zone is the place that you would spend all of your time in it if you could. It is the place that feels natural. It's the place that for adults, we would work for free doing that. That is what the strength zone feels like. And it's often something that we can observe by people's natural tendencies. So for myself, when I was in corporate America, what I found is that any free time I had, I was working on projects that had to do with what motivates humans and how their brain works. And I would be reading articles about psychology and human development. And that's how I was spending time naturally. It didn't have to be my to-do list. No one was telling me to do this. That's just what I felt drawn to. I wanted to be a psychology major when I was going off to college, but there was a lot of, well, what are you going to do with that? And so I ended up becoming a writer because that was something that I had a lot of experience in growing up, and there was a natural path that was sort of viewed for me. But in reality, again, I had that inclination even at the age of 17. And again, I had been playing some things, teacher, business owner earlier. So you, you just want to be witness to what is your girl naturally doing? What is she naturally drawn to? What kind of books? What is the story in the book? Who is the hero in the book, right? And then it, does she spend time alone with other people? Is it a combination? Does she like detailed work? Does she like, some kids even demonstrate visionary work. I think of your oldest daughter, I think of her as like such a visionary. Even when she was little, she was demonstrating that. There's all kinds of things that we can observe in our girls in this sort of their natural state that will help us to kind of identify, and for adults too, what maybe the intersection might be of these things that might seem disparate at the time, right? You think about me, I was playing teacher and business owner. So from a traditional sense, a teacher or a business owner, well, no, I put those together, right? And again, the strength zone is sometimes things that don't look like the other. I love that on Sesame Street, like one of these things is not like the other, right? And, and I think we're taught as a society to look for things that have commonality, but sometimes strengths don't have commonality. But the parceling of them together is what creates your strength zone. Is there an exercise or something that a parent and caregiver could do with their child to kind of like say, hey, what are you drawn to? What's your interest? Kind of help them see maybe some of these threads that they may want to pursue in more, you know, in length and like you know, after school or in schools, just, you know, activities. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it would depend on the age of the child. I think when they're younger, observation is such a powerful tool for caregivers and parents and aunts and uncles, everyone who's part of that community building for the child. But, you know, as children start to age, I think you can ask the questions. I mean, I remember one time I was talking to one of my nieces about her friends and tell me more about your friends. And she said, I can feel my friends feeling. And she was little. And I thought that was so interesting because I thought to myself, I can too. You have some empath qualities, right? So I think sometimes it's just opening that engagement with your child. What is it about this friend that you enjoy, right? What is it you like to play together? We can think about traditional things like what is your favorite subject in school? What do they like to do outside of school? If you gave them three camps to choose from, which camp? you know, would they choose? Again, looking at who was the hero in the stories. What is it you like about this story, right? Asking them to reflect back to you. What is it that is engaging them? Because there's so much wisdom in those questions. With strengths, how can parents and caregivers kind of, I mean, we kind of talked about, you know, figuring that out, but okay, as we're getting older, what resources are out there that we can help girls discover their strengths, understand what they're really good at? And I think it's interesting. I feel traditionally it's almost been focused on what you're bad at. Well, we need to catch that up versus leaning into what you're good at and understanding that there are certain things in school that you, yes, you have to do this class. You have to get through this course. Sure. I, to this day, cannot stand statistics, but boy, I got a grade that passed. And you just have to do that. So, <laughs> but I will never, statistics is not my calling. But, you know, I think in a way, when we focus so much on what we're not good at, it can almost make us feel incompetent all around versus even with the things that we actually are good at, we kind of feel uneven. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Erin. And I was reading just recently, I'm working on an article about the way we sort of evaluate humans in the workplace. And it comes from abnormal psychology. Literally, the roots are in abnormal psychology. So you've got people who are evaluating based on what is wrong with you, right, where you're inept. The book I'm thinking of is called The Big Leap, and it talks about your zone of genius, excellence, competence, incompetence, right? So for me, statistics is my zone of incompetence, right? Do I want to spend any time in statistics? No. So I think self-talk is a, is a piece of the puzzle. But I also think, you know, how can you navigate traditional school systems, which were built basically for factory workers, right? When we think about that, it's terrifying. So how can you think about, okay, there are foundational things that my girl has to learn as part of the current educational system that most of us are a part of. But where, again, is she, where am I seeing her love and want to spend more time? And how can I encourage that? How can I create more opportunity for that? How can I, again, if, you, if your school has more flexibility, how can you talk about a special project maybe that incorporates, you know, some strengths? Because I do think that we've got to move away from everyone has to be everything to society, right? I mean, again, we have these natural gifts and tendencies. I love that quote from Mark Twain that your two most important days are the day you were born and the day you find out why, Right. And there are natural tendencies that we're going to all end up in, in our lives to be in our strength zones, to live the life that we were meant to live. And so the earlier you can encourage into that space and have them explore that space, the better. Because again, 
you can see these tendencies with me in the early days, and I can see the same thing with my nieces. So we want to, as you start to identify those, you know, are there other options? I mean, my sister sent her kids to Montessori school because she wanted them to really focus on their strength zone, and that's the Montessori mindset. It's collective consciousness, but it's also staying in your natural giftings, right? Spending the majority of your time in the thing that you're probably going to do with your life anyway. So why not encourage it, right? We know that people can become exponentially better at what they're good at and only incrementally better at what they're not good at. So why wouldn't we spend our time in the first? Absolutely. You mentioned the big leap. Are there other books that you'd recommend? Say I've got an older teenager, a kiddo going off to college that you would say, hey, these are some good reads to kind of make you reevaluate your path forward and what you're doing. Yes, I took a couple notes here because there's a couple books that I am in love with. And then a website I wanted to mention called TheBigLifeJournal.com is an amazing resource. They have tween, teen resources, and I use their adult journal. And it is foundationally based in creating a growth mindset. Because in addition to understanding what your strengths are, you want to continue to explore things that maybe you could build at a dimension or resiliency in. And so I love the Big Life Journal. It's very graphically appealing, and it gives the readers, again, no matter the age, a lot of exercises that they can do to identify a lot of these things that I'm talking about and continue to, again, kind of expand them. The other book that I love for girls, women, everyone, Brave Not Perfect, also focused on, you know, our society tends to teach a lot of perfectionism to girls and a lot of effort to boys. And so this book is a great resource for really recognizing maybe where some of those things are happening in your girl, young girl, college girl's life, the messages that they're getting and intervening with those messages, because that can be as much of a piece of the puzzle, again, that self-talk as it is kind of identifying what those things are. For a little bit older set, another book I love is Go Put Your Strengths to Work, which is Marcus Buckingham. It's based on the Strengths Finder personality inventory, which you can take for like 20 bucks. And it helps you really look at how your strengths would apply in a career setting, in a educational setting. And there's great exercises in there, highly actionable, which I love anything actionable to continue to uncover. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode of the Girls That Create podcast is brought to you by the Girls That Create website, where we provide parenting resources for raising creative girls, while also encouraging greater female representation across the arts. Visit us at www.girlsthatcreate.com, where you'll find articles by some of our podcast guests, including Dr. Michelle Borba, Jessica Leahy, Renee Trudeau, and many more. You can also sign up for the Girls That Create newsletter at www.girlsthatcreate.com slash newsletter. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, We all win. Unsilenced Voices has been working diligently in Ghana, Sierra Leone, Rwanda, and the USA to combat domestic violence, sexual abuse, and human trafficking. We currently have over 50 young girls on a wait list in Sierra Leone to go through a vocational training program to get them off the streets 
and out of harm's way. We have gifted over $33,000 to U.S. survivors and are looking for volunteers and donors to help us continue our cause. Please visit us at www.unsilencedvoices.org. Again, unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Are you experiencing insomnia, brain fog, hot flashes, mood swings, and more? These are many of the symptoms women experience on a daily basis affecting the health of their brain and increasing the risk for dementias like Alzheimer's disease down the road. A healthy lifestyle can make a big difference for the health of the brain, but Brain Love Health took it further and created an innovative nutritional supplement, especially for women, to support us through this transitional time while also promoting better sleep and long-term brain health. Don't wait any longer to help your brain age well. Why let it deteriorate? The health of your brain is in your hands. To begin protecting it today, visit Brain Love Health. Dot com. That's B-R-A-I-N-L-O-V-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. Don't let the name fool you. StadiumBags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to Stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. So check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back with the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. My guest today is Kyla Martin, dream strategist and career coach. One thing in arts and creativity, I think there's a lot of focus on the process, which is interesting because it's so important that we think about the process of getting to something, but at the same time, the flip of that is that people think about what is the final outcome? What is the final product? What is the final art piece? You know, I think that perfection element with women and girls really plays into that some because a lot of times people don't understand that there's a masterpiece in front of you, but that there were hundreds of drafts before that masterpiece, or there's this amazing musical in front of you, but there were a thousand songs that were started and tossed as the process was put together on paper. I would love to hear your thoughts about that whole concept of embracing the process and understanding that you have to move through it. Yes. Oh, Erin, so beautifully said. And as someone who is an artist herself, I'm a dancer, and I'm actually working on a showcase that's going to be just for me based on what I can do at this age in my life because there's still expression that I have to give the world right in my way again at my age and and other than kind of recitals there's not kind of an opportunity for that right and so I am knee deep in this process right now I've started to pick out music think about choreography to develop and no matter what happens on that day during the performance, I am enjoying every single piece of the process. So I think as humans, and particularly in Western society, we are very focused on achievement. That is so much of our society. And I think about so many other cultures where the experience is the achievement. I, I, I love the quote, you know, the journey is the destination, because mm-hmm. that is the experience of life, right? It, it's the messiness, it's the beauty, it's the joy, it's the sadness. And I think, again, we live in a, an, a society that really focuses also on, I don't feel like doing that, I don't want to do that, that doesn't feel good, right? We're very focused on 
what the positive experience is. But we also know as humans that we never feel more alive than when we're evolving, right? I could probably ask you what are, you know, some of the most exhilarating moments in your life, and I'm sure it was filled with you growing the most during that time. And so I think remembering that in the journey is the beauty, is the evolution, is the joy. I'm already experiencing this dance performance, even though it's six months away. I'm already in sort of the everyone's there, I'm going to be expressing myself, and I'm enjoying that now, even though it hasn't happened and even though I don't really know what the outcome is going to be. And so if we're Looking at the whole experience, I think, in a more holistic way, I think we can, we can truly be present for those moments. And I think that's what growth mindset really teaches us. I mean, we think about learning something new. There's a lot of pain in learning something new, right? And yet, on the other side, how have we transformed, right? Regardless of the outcome. It really doesn't even matter what the outcome is. So if the journey is the destination, then we can truly be focused on the jury. One thing I also want to touch on is in our, I think American society especially, we don't like to lose (laughs) or quit or fail. Any of those outcomes are not seen favorably, mostly by the time by ourselves. Not even other people actually are much more forgiving than we are with ourselves. (laughs) How can we help when we see our child struggling, but maybe understanding that they may just need to let something go, help them understand that though. Like maybe they, they're just not feeling it anymore. Maybe they don't want to continue that painting class or they don't want to continue in performing or they don't, you know, they, their interests have shifted because they're, of course, changing and growing and becoming who they're meant to be as an adult. And, of course, adults, we change all the time as well. But, you know, the, the understanding of like, hey, just because you loved ballet from age three to 11, mm-hmm. suddenly it's like, I'm done. I don't, yeah. it's just not my thing. Yeah. And I think there's so much magic in children because they try things and then they decide if they like it or, or, they're, or they don't, right? And it's not usually dependent on the outcome. Mm-hmm. It's usually dependent on the experience that they have. I'm sure you tried a million things when you were growing up. I tried a million things. My nieces are always doing something new. And, you know, there's sort of a, sometimes a beginning and an end. But, the, again, I think there's natural tendencies that you can see in all of those experiences, right? Even the way my niece thinking of one of my nieces plays sports, it's very artistic because there's so much artistry in who she is as a human being that we saw from the time she was two years old. So how can we, as the adults, observe and view the experiences and really see them for what they are, right? And sometimes it might be, I don't want to do that anymore because it's hard. Okay, let's talk about that, right? Let's talk about kind of growth mindset in a way that a, a child could understand, but it, it also might be, I tried this and I lost interest in that. And, and I realized it's not my thing. I mean, I have evolved my business multiple times since I started it eight years ago. And the clarity that I continue to get as I have new experiences and I try out new things continues to refine what I want to do. But that might change again. My husband always jokes, how many more iterations of you are there going to be? A <laughs> hundred? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) Therein lies the joy, right? So I think with our girls teasing out a little bit, is this because it's hard? Or, and again, maybe we'll talk about that. Or is this because I've lost interest and that's okay? That's part of, again, the joy of childhood is, is trying things out and kind of seeing, are there pieces of the puzzle that might carry forward? And 
maybe there's nothing that'll carry forward, right? I tried that. I did a lot of internships when I was in high school and college, and it helped me so much to figure out what kind of environment I wanted to be in, right? Do Again, do I like group settings? Do I like more individual? Do I get energy from others? You know, all the things that we know from personality inventories that give us, again, more of those clues that we can really see who our child is going to become while also letting them try things and observing kind of what happens. Yeah, I think there's something really valuable in having opportunities to try for them to try stuff that's not permanent. Okay, so you're going to be part of this club for this year. And maybe you'll do it next year. Maybe you won't, but you tried it. Or maybe you'll try this internship and it's for a year to see if this is actually an area you want to pursue. Or absolutely not. That does nothing for you. Absolutely. Again, if the journey is the destination, then the experience is part of the journey, right? So, of course, we talk about creativity on this podcast a lot. How would you recommend supporting that creativity? And I think I was picking up on some themes, like especially with younger kids, stepping back. I think parents sometimes have a struggle with that, not trying to control the play, but actually removing themselves from the play so the kids can be fully in charge of what's happening themselves. You know, and I think that's something that we struggle with as parents moving forward too it's like how much do you step in how much are you stepping out and you're consistently trying to walk this tightrope absolutely I can only imagine and you know for me I think one of the things I talk about sometimes with parents is stepping back into your previous self right so when you were a kid what was it that you loved about just trying things out right what was it that you loved about knowing I can stop doing this if it's not kind of a good fit, right? Kind of going back and asking your little girl self, what were the things that I remember that I loved having autonomy for? Or I loved that my caregiver's parents gave me some freedom and flexibility. And I think there we have so much wisdom inside of ourselves. You know, it's sort of traditionally called inter-mentoring. And I think we can use inter-mentoring for our future self, but also for our past self. Because when I go back and ask the little girl, Kyla, you know, what was it that you loved about playing? And what were the sort of surrounding feelings from that experience of just having autonomy to go play and figure it out for the day? And then how can I use those things that I loved that I'm maybe seeing in her to continue to support her experience going forward. In your work, because you work with, you know, lots of people who are making career changes, pivots, thinking about, you know, different directions for their lives. What is the most significant limiting factors that you see that are preventing them and us from pursuing those dream careers? Because I know you and I have talked a little bit about this whole idea of the limiting factor. And again, it's not from the outside, it's actually from the inside. Absolutely. And this is where we can learn so much from children, right? I mean, when you watch children play, I was watching kids on a jungle gym, and they weren't just going straight up. They would go to the side, they would come back down, they would go up, they would fall off, right? <laughs> it's all it's all part of the experience. And sometimes I use the jungle gym analogy with my clients because, again, in a society that values achievement versus effort versus experience, versus success, right? All of the things that we value as a society, I think what I see most in my clients and the people that I work with is a limiting belief based on an innate fear of failure. That's really what it comes down to, right? And what I always want my clients and communities to know is that so much of our fear is baked in 
as a primal need for human beings. It's sort of the paradox of we never feel more alive than when we evolve, and yet we are unbelievably wired for safety. And that is one of the, I think to me, that is the human condition, understanding that both of those are true simultaneously. And how can that be the case? And so there's so much primal fear that our our chaotic society also triggers that we want to stay safe, quote unquote. And often safety looks like staying where you are, staying in the same job, living where you live, right? Because our brains you get a dopamine hit when you when you kind of stay where you are, but you also get a dopamine hit when you try new things, right? Think about it as holding two beliefs at the same time. I am wired for safety and I am wired for evolution. And so if those things are both true, how can I create some safety to create a little bridge between evolution and safety? So with so many of my clients, when we're going through this process, we kind of create some bridges for their fear, which is again, built in, it is not something that you want to use willpower to try to overcome, or again, negative self-talk, which we tend to do as women, right, to just white knuckle our way through it, because that will never last. Whereas if we can understand what our brain is trying to do to keep us safe, and again, create a bridge between here and there, then we can kind of start to take some small steps. But fear, and again, that primal built-in tends to be the thing that keeps people. And there's, there's so many belief systems inside of fear that we don't even recognize we're thinking. And what are belief systems, but simply things we keep thinking over and over and over, most of them are so wired in, they become habits. I loved on social media, you actually made kind of a joke about the fears by saying it's kind of like the mean girls. Yeah, you know, in the movie Mean Girls, but the mean girls are always saying like all the negative, all the, oh, I can't believe you'll do that. I can't believe you're thinking about doing that. What are you even, what, how dare you even dream about that? You're going to get back in line. Yes, yes, yes. So if your fear is just a mean girl, listen to mean girls, right? Again, I'm, I'm making light and simplifying it, right? But if you looked at your fear as sort of something outside of you, versus sometimes I think as women, it can feel like a gut instinct. Fear can feel like a gut instinct and intuition. And so really, again, teasing out, is it primal fear because there's a lion chasing me? Or is it just leftover fear that my brain kind of hasn't evolved out of yet? And I can tell my brain, thank you for keeping my ancestors safe because I survived. By the way, I'm in the lineage that survived, so yay me. But how can I acknowledge that we're safe brain and take a small step forward? What strategies would you recommend for when we're seeing our girls, unfortunately, listening to their mean girls in their head when you kind of hear that? I think as a parent, it's really hard to hear when your child is talking poorly about themselves. And that just kind of breaks your heart because you see this beautiful, wonderful, you know, incredible human being, granted you're biased, but you know, they are, and you, but you want them to see themselves like you see them. Mm -hmm. And it really can make you so distraught when you hear them being so cruel to themselves. And then they also have to face mean girls. Right? I mean, so <laughs> and then there's the actual physical, yes, mean girls running around in the world. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Or boys yeah. too, mean people in general. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause they grow up. Yes. So I think that that is a practice that we can teach ourselves and we can teach our girls. And, and I think that it is staying in that observation mindset. We, you know, sometimes it's called wise mind. Wise mind is prefrontal cortex, the front of our brains. We're the only mammals that have it. And it's where all of our wisdom and long-term goodness lives. 
And so you'll have those moments where you know you're in your higher brain, your wise mind, right? When you can see your future and you have inspiration and you know what the steps are. And then you know you're in your lower primal mean girl mind when it says, yeah, but we can't do any of that. And you're not good enough. And you don't know how. And and all those things. And I think helping your girl, helping ourselves to really identify which is the mean girl not true. 99% of the time, none of that's true. And then which is the higher brain girl, the wise girl, right? Let's call it wise girl and mean girl. So how can you help your girl see the difference and help them understand that those are, again, just two parts of her brain, some of which she's going to need, right? If she's ever faced with danger, we want to listen to the mean girl, right? But the wise girl is mostly what we want to listen to because she sees our future. She sees everything that we can be. She sees all that beautiful long-term goodness. And so I think it's a practice that we start with ourselves and we teach our girls. And the beautiful thing about our brains and growth mindset is our brains are malleable, even as adults. And so we can continue to evolve it. Just because you have a habit now that's negative self-talk, you can create a new habit. It just takes practice. And I would encourage everyone I I love and know to do all of these practices with love and compassion and curiosity because it doesn't happen overnight, just like anything we do. But with practice, it continues to improve. I've seen it in myself, in the people I love, in the people that I work with, and it's available to all. What has been some of your most rewarding experiences as a coach in this eight years that you've been on this journey? Yes. Oh, I have outcomes for my life. And this is one of the things I teach my clients is, you know, what are, what do you want to be able to say at the end of your life? And one of mine is to enable my nieces and my nephew to uncover and pursue their dreams. And being a vessel and a, an observer the privilege of that has been one of the most rewarding things, and it continues. The other thing is watching someone who has a dream in their heart that maybe they've never shared with anyone, maybe they didn't even quite know what it would look like, and watching them start to pursue it, right? Taking a small step, ultimately changing careers. I mean, I have everyone who, you know, used to be a biologist and is now a fashion designer, someone who was in sales and is now in interior design. You know, these massive changes, people that have opened their own business from the life that they had to the life that they have now. And being witness to that journey is a privilege that I wake up every day and think, how's this my life? (laughs) So, and again, we we all have everything we already need inside of us. In my practice, I am teaching you some things, giving you some ways that you can apply it, and and sort of just being witness to the journey. I want everyone to know is that we can all take a small step closer to the life that we want, particularly if we can identify the mean girl. And tell her to buzz off when she needs to. Exactly. (laughs) Tyla Martin, thank you for being with us today on Girls That Create. It is my pleasure, and thank you so much for having me. To all of you tuning in, thank you for joining us on the Girls That Create podcast on Word of Mom Radio. When the mean girls' voices start up, let's do our best to tell them to take a hike. Here's our closing theme song by Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. Till next time, this is Erin Prather Stafford. She is sure. She is is strong. She is true. She is true.